this is Ashley. This is Karen. And this is The Musicals. How are you doing today, Karen? I am doing very well. It is a good day. Can we talk about what we're doing tonight? Absolutely. Why not? Kick it off. Yes, we are going to go see Tootsie. And this has been a long time coming. And this is actually the first time we have gone to see a show together at the performing, Des Moines Performing Arts since COVID because I went and saw the band's visit separately. <gasps> That's right, you did. Yes. And I got, uh, because I went on opening night, which was Tuesday, normally I tickets for Wednesday, I got a free tote bag. And I remember us talking about that because you never got a free tote bag. You're right, I didn't. I know. It was, it's pretty nice. I used it the other day and I was like, oh, look at my free tote bag. I'm not better at all. I know, I can tell. <laughs> if looks could kill. <laughs> yeah, no, we have that tonight, and we're going to go out to dinner ahead of yes, time. Yes, so we are. It's exciting. It we have is. like a girls' night out. It is, yes. It's been so long, Karen. Oh my goodness. I haven't seen people from our group, I guess, in two years then. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That is crazy. Oh my goodness. It'll be such a good like I reunion know. of girls' night. It will be. Yes. Over art. Yes. It is very good. What else is new and exciting, Karen? Um, well, you gave me an awesome Christmas gift. And it is Sutton Foster's Hooked. And I I have the best friends. Like, I really <laughs> do. And so, it was so kind and was so thoughtful and just so kind. Can I talk about that? How kind I thought it was. Oh. I read, I read it through. I just stayed up and read the whole thing through. Really? And is it good? Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. And um, there were things, like, I can see why it is popular because it is real, but not in a um, fake real way. That sounds strange to say. It's sincere. That's what I'm trying to say. Is oh, it's, okay. it's sincere. Some of the things she said where I was like, oh my goodness, this is so spot on. Because um, her mom were essentially suffered from mental illness, but was never diagnosed. And in hindsight, I think that I'm almost 100% certain talking to my sister that my mom suffered from postpartum depression, but it was not something you talked about at the time. Sure. And so that was interesting where you're like, where you think to yourself, oh my goodness, I have my mother's genes. What does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. And then another thing she talks about how when her mom was ill and they, her brother and her as a family and her dad, they were like, we have to let her go. And the dad was like, I'm not sure. And we had that exact same conversation with my dad, my sister and my, um, and I and my dad. Because we were like, we have to let her go, you know, and that was just really, and she just lays it out. That's what I liked about it It was sincere. It was just laid out. um, And it was, it's a good read. It's a really good read. There's crafting things in there as well, too, but it's not a crafting book. There's um, a couple, um, there's like a recipe in there and like, yeah, crafty things and stuff like that. But it was, it's not, it's a memoir. It's very much a memoir. I would say uh, the title could have just been something else even <laughs> with, because the crafting part is just a backdrop to it. And that I think speaks of how much crafting meant to her that she brought, wove that in, no pun intended, as uh-huh. I say the word wove, um, as well. And again, it was the thing she talks about, especially like she said, cross-stitch was a gateway craft. <laughs> I'm gushing. Craft, cross-stitch was my gateway craft, you know? <laughs> And she's a crocheter, and I always joke about knitting privilege because knitters always get the, like, the front covers, oh. but crocheters don't. We're like the undermined, like, underdog craft. So, yeah, it's a very good read. I highly recommend. Oh, you can borrow my copy. What am I saying? Oh, thank I you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, 
no, I know how much you love Sutton Foster, and I was like, I love memoirs too. Yeah. So I was like, ah, maybe this will be right up Karen's alley. Yes. Plus, there was the crafting background. Mm-hmm. So now, Karen, I need to know because I know that you dabble in a bunch of different crafting yes. arenas. Which one would you say is your primary? Um. Okay, so this is how I talk about it. Cross stitch is my comfort craft. Okay. So that's what I go to when like all hell is breaking loose. There's something about the rhythm of it. I'd say my primary craft right now is quilting because of the social aspect, because mm-hmm. I'm with uh, in with a lovely bunch of other quilters, and um, we have retreats where we go and eat and drink and sew quilts. And so I'd say that's probably my, pr- uh, my primary. Cool. So, yeah. I can do none of those things. <laughs> yes, you can. You made um, Christmas stockings. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you would call that. Embroidery. Okay. That was a long yeah. time ago. They're not like super high quality either. It doesn't matter. It's still I, a craft. I did cross stitching. My grandmother's a big cross stitcher. so I, She is. She's entered into the state fair. Yes, she has. So. And she has not won and has, she will tell you about it. Oh, we need to compare notes <laughs> because grandma and I both probably have the same issues. We won't talk about it. Yes. Uh, but she has very some very nice pieces. Um, so I did, I did cross stitch at some point in my life, but I'm just not a crafty person. Yeah. So I... Admire all the crafting that you do. (laughs) Anything else? No, that is all. I think I've gushed enough about the book. I highly recommend it. I know that we're going out tonight, but we also went out on Saturday night last week. And we went and saw Murder on the Orient Express at the Des Moines Playhouse. We did. And we went out to eat beforehand. We did. Which is of note, um, because it will affect my review, I believe. (laughs) So, um, we had a gate crasher. Is that what we call it? Third wheel gate crasher? Third wheel. Third wheel. <laughs> Ashley's husband came along. And uh, <laughs> I, like Ashley's husband, can, can, are we using first names? We call him. That's, I don't care. Is a super, super nice guy. And um, he, it's funny because uh, I've known Ashley a long time and got to see how the whole relationship unfolded, long distance, etc., etc. So, I jokingly say third wheel because it was not, it was a wonderful evening, I feel, for all of us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that. Oh, yeah. So we went to dinner to Roca, and I went with your recommendation of the poke medallions with the creamed corn, and it was indeed delicious. The corn is so good. Can I can I interrupt just for yes. a moment and say that Rick was the third wheel and you were not the third wheel? Oh, yes. I thought everybody would know Okay, that. well, I yes. just wanted <laughs> to be clear for everyone that he was the third yes. Although he was our driver. I know, right? So that's it. Better than third wheel, he was the chauffeur. That's true. We just invited the chauffeur to come along and dine with us. That's true. Play. So every time I go to Roca... My sister know used to know the head chef. He has since left, but his recommendation was the pork medallions with the cream corn. So every time I go, I have to, the corn is amazing. The medallions are also very good. Yes, but I just love the corn. No. And while we were there, I I was feeling like I wanted an adult beverage, and I could not decide on which one I wanted. And my husband was like, "Oh, you like mai tais? Just get a mai tai." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do that." Um. It was like 100% alcohol. <laughs> I don't know if they splashed any juice in it, but I am also one of those individuals who's like, this drink cost me dollars and I will not leave a drop of this drink here. <laughs> so my husband also functioned as a designated driver yes. for myself. Um, and I will say that for the first act of Murder on the Orient Express, I was uh, inebriated, for sure. <laughs> That doesn't change if I enjoyed or did not enjoy what was happening around me. I just think I had an altered state of uh, theater-going experience, if that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I can 
that assessment. I was quiet and respectful. Oh, no, you were, definitely. No, I wasn't <laughs> sure. It was like, no, she was a very um, easygoing drunk. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible. No, it was... It was uh, so, okay, I will uh, carry the first act then, the first half of that. So one thing we have to talk about is it was a packed house. We yes. showed up at like a little past seven. The show started at 7.30 and we showed up a little past seven and the parking lot was almost full like right away. And when mm-hmm. we walked in, like people were getting their seats, etc. So I don't know if it was sold out, but I would say it was pretty darn close really to being close. Yeah. sold out. And um, I think opening night was the same way as well too. We were by... Um, on one side of me was a family, like a couple with an older lady, and then kind of around us were um, like groups of people as well too. So there, were, it was definitely. I got the sense it was like a night out for groups of people. Yeah, on the other side of Rick, there was there seemed to be like a group of people who had a four pack of wine, which you can oh, yes, buy yep. at the Des Moines Playhouse, yeah. and they were drinking through the show. Yes. And I actually was really loving their reactions. I don't know if they'd never seen Murder on the Orient Express or heard of it, but every like reveal or thing that was happening, they're like, <gasps> 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 no, and it it kept me. <laughs> I was so excited to just be part of what was happening in their brains. Right. <laughs> and I enjoy that because that's something I feel like we've talked about on the podcast as well, too, is I always, I really enjoy when the crowd gets into it and they got into it. Right. It shows and they're engaged. Exactly. Right? And that's what I liked. And I also liked the fact that their reactions were such that, like it was of enjoyment because I feel with something like an Agatha Christie, um, uh, it can be made so staid and so unreachable that it's not enjoyable it's not it's supposed to be enjoyed you're supposed to enjoy it and just not be like oh well this is la di da you know so yeah <laughs> yeah and we were i mean we were up in the the top part i guess yes. we we're kind of underneath a projector right in the middle yes yeah um, and they did have a note out front that there would be fog used in the production mm-hmm. they didn't say anything about lights and there weren't strobes per se, yeah. but there was a lot of snow happening whenever right. there was a change of scene, Yeah, which, I, I don't know. There were a lot of set changes. So, uh, Murder on the Orient Express is based on an Agatha. I always say Agatha, and I think everybody else says Agatha. Agatha. Yes. Uh, Christie novel with uh, the main detective being Hercule Poirot, who is Belgian, not French. Um, the other person who's like one of her main characters is Miss Marvel, but that's a whole different, uh, what do the kids say, universe? Sure. Yes. Um, so they are on the Orient Express and a murder happens and then um, Hercule Poirot has to figure out who murdered this one person. So the scene changes were between um, the cabins, like mm-hmm. the rooms and the dining car. And so there were a lot of scene changes in the sense that there weren't a lot of scenes. Like there wasn't a lot of scenery, but there were a lot of changes between the scenes as well, too. And every time they did a scene change, they did snow. Because that is part of the story, is that they do get trapped. There's a snowstorm that comes through and they do get trapped in the snow. But the way the snow was visualized... Yeah, they went strobe lights, but they were definitely flashing lights. Yeah, so if that was an issue for you. Yeah, because I noticed it. And it's not a major issue for me, but I was surprised that they didn't have a warning 
Yeah. That there was that. Since we're talking about scene changes, I really enjoyed the set of the cabins mm-hmm. because you could see inside, I think it was three different cabins at once. Yes. Um, and they were very realistic. And they also did a really good job. So there was like a hallway outside of the cabins, which was behind where they were acting, away from the, the crowd. And so people would walk through there and you could see through the cabin windows into the hallway. And then I noticed they were strategically leaving doors open at certain points and characters would stop in the door frame so you knew that they were there, kind of part of the staging. Yes. And I thought that was really yes. clever. It also helped with like adding depth to the stage, I thought. Yes. I enjoyed that very much as well too. Um, clever movement of chairs. So in the dining room when they were sitting, um, they sat like across each other or that they could face the audience and then project out as well too. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, very good as well too. It's a pretty large cast. It was a massive <laughs> cast and it was a long play. We have to talk about that. It was two hours. Okay. It was a solid two hours and I feel like two hours of content because it was a play. It wasn't a musical. Right. So you had a lot. And I think what helped me out a lot was that I have seen it before. Like not the play. I've seen the movie. Yeah, me too. And in my state, I was like, I don't remember how it ends. Yeah. And even in like the preamble part, I was like, why do we care about this part? Yeah. Which is like integral to the story. Right. It has a reason. But uh, yeah, I did not remember. I didn't. I knew there was a giant twist, but I couldn't remember how it ended either. And right. I was like, oh, is this a real lead? Is this a false lead? Et cetera, et cetera. And so it is a massive cast. The good thing about the cast, though, is that... Um, no duplicate roles, so that helped a lot. Um, and that every character was unique, that you could they keep were. them separate. They were. So I was actually looking at the, the playbill earlier today, and I knew zero people's names, essentially. Yes. Um, but I could recognize all of their faces and place them with a character because they did such a good job of acting out their right. individual parts, and they were all very different. Yes. Right? They weren't... Like you said, they weren't duplicated characters. They were all needed in the story, and they were all um, very well fleshed out, I thought. That was one of the main things I thought about as well, too, because I couldn't remember any character. Like, I could describe them. Like, I could tell you that's the person from, they're supposed to be from this location. Right. This is the person who's, you know, in the army. Right. Names, not a clue. Right. (laughs) Right. um, That was pretty interesting. So, um, I thought the cast did a really good job. Um, you had some people who had um, performed at the Des Moines Playhouse previously, and then you had some who were in their first time at uh, the Des Moines Playhouse as well, too. So that was um, good. And I'm sure that the ones who it was their first time were, in my opinion, were well received. I'd like to, yeah. uh, I thought Katie Saldana uh, did a good job. Um, who did she play? She played the Countess. Oh, yes. She was yeah. very good. I enjoyed her very much. Yeah. Um, as did Jacqueline Stiller, who played Mary Debenham. She was the young lady. Yes. And then um, uh, Charles Betts, who played Michelle, the conductor as well, too. So I thought um, everyone did a good job as well with this. We saw somebody we recognized because we saw us have seen now Sean Canuso in three productions. Yeah. Um, because we saw him in Love Offering and... Weekend Comedy. That's right. Yes. Um, and Cedric Frevrier was like the lead character. I thought he was a really 
you, he came across as a detective to me. Yes, I. Um, what I liked about him was he played it understated, and that worked for me. Um, I feel like what would be easy with that role is to make it into a caricature. You know, like you watch a couple sure. of movies and then you're like, oh, I, I'm here. I'm gonna play this Belgian detective. But I like that he played it straight. And he came across as sincere in his performance. That's what I mean by he wasn't a caricature. So, yeah. Um, one moment I wanted to bring out too. So there is a murder on this train, mm-hmm. and there the gentleman's just laying there in his cabin or whatever. But they lift the bed sheet, yes. and there was a blood stain on the bed sheet, and there was an audible gasp in the room yes. because it was so, like. Alarming? Is that the right word? It was a lot of blood. <laughs> it was a lot of blood and it was it was shiny. Like yes. it was the consistency of blood. Yeah. And every time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's yes. blood. So it was very believable. So yeah. great job on that detail. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought that was another thing also that I liked about it is that it did behave like somebody had been murdered on a train because they left the body there in the cabin. It wasn't whisked away immediately because you think about it, if you had a dead body in a cabin, what were you going to do? Where's it going? So that made um, perfect sense to leave. Just, you just leave it there. So, yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, although I had some questions on how why the cabins were connected, but then I decided some hotel rooms are connected too. Yes, because you'd have to have like a family right. situation. I, I, had, I had a bunch of questions in my head. Um, that were quickly resolved once I started thinking a little clearly. Also, probably when it was um, done, you would have to have one cabin for a person, and if they had like a traveling companion with them, they would be in the other cabin, adjacent cabin. Which is interesting, because this traveling companion was not there. I'm assuming that had to do with... Um, social standing yes exactly yeah I've been watching around the world and 80 days on PBS and Passepartout is um, the travel companion of uh, Mr. Fogg and he does not travel in first class okay so that's where I'm getting all this information from I mean it's cheaper to throw him in a different class no kidding right (laughs) yes indeed um yeah, I don't. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I. It, but like you said, it, it's it's long and it's dense, right? You've yes. got to pay attention. I actually at the end, when he solves the murder, <clears throat> um, they kind of flash back to different points mm-hmm. in the show that helped you helped him to piece it together, which helped me to get there too. Yes, um, <laughs> which I appreciated. But I think it helped everyone, not just me. No, I agree. I I thought again because it really. Uh, put together the characters, individual stories, and also how they may or may not be connected. That's so true. So that worked out pretty well. So well. We'll be right back. So we need to talk about the director, David Kilpatrick. Okay. Because is this our first time? Oh, no, we went and saw Weekend Comedy and Leaving Iowa. Because I was going to say, is this our first time seeing one of his... Uh, one of his plays that he's directed, but no, nope. we have seen him previously. But he always welcomes one to the uh, stage at the Des Moines Playhouse, and again, I feel is a very sincere individual related to Des Moines and the arts and theater, and I think um, deserves to be called out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I did not see him on Saturday, but I I do always appreciate 
Yeah, yeah. I agree. He he does, like you said, feel very welcoming and yeah. and wanting to bring people to the arts, right? Yes, exactly. And we did not attend the pre-show talk. No, you're right. There was a pre-show talk, and um, that was I think it starts at seven. Yeah, and we didn't get there in time for that. No. Um, the next one that they're doing is a musical because they're doing Singing in the Rain, and I've seen on the Facebook page that they already have. Um, but practices are ongoing anyway. Yeah. But um, they've been putting little snippets up there. One that was of interest to me was how they tip over a couch <laughs> in the dance scene. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I've never seen Singing in the Rain, so. My sister was the lead in our high school. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And they tipped over a couch, I'm pretty sure. Oh, nifty. Yeah. So, so yeah, Singing in the Rain um, is March 25th through April 10th. Before that, Charlotte's Web. That's March oh, 4th yes. to 20th. I've yeah. seen some of the costumes for that, which look super cute. Yes. So my children will definitely want to see that one. Um, I haven't decided if I want to see that one or not, because it makes me sad. Well, it is kind of a sad story. I know. But then I love the Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, that and one's sadder. I know. And that was a sad one. <laughs> but I still think about the two English rabbits. Those were the little girls were adorable. <laughs> they were adorable. <laughs> they were just cute as pie. They were so maybe I will bum along with you guys to see Charlotte's Web. Ooh, please do. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what they've got in the next couple months. And then, like we said before, we're going to see Tootsie tonight. So yes. we'll have an episode on that very oh, soon. I know. And then in March, we're also at the Des Moines Performing Arts. We're going to see Rent and Hades Town. And I know everyone's jealous. I'm going to see Disney Princess the concert. <laughs> uh. It's going to be great. Susan Egan is supposed to be there. She was the original Belle, and she played, She was Meg on Hercules. Oh. Like, I, there's some powerhouses coming. Okay. I hope that she doesn't, like, change her schedule and it's not her. Right. I'm very excited to yeah. see Susan Egan. I'm not going to lie. So, Disney princesses, are they going to do... Um, are they just going to sing songs? Or are they going to act? Or what? how does this work? Well, it's a concert. So, oh, okay. I assume they're going to be like... Hi, everybody. It's Belle. I'm okay. going to sing Belle's song. Okay. It was like Belle, Tiana, who doesn't have a lot of songs, I don't think. Well, she has a couple. And Ariel. And then uh, they said Anastasia. But Anastasia, is she Disney? No. Anastasia or did Disney wasn't. buy the rights to the musical, maybe? Maybe. Because Anastasia was different. What was it? It was like, it was Disney and Pixar. It was pre-Disney Pixar. And I have the like there was... VHS upstairs, I'm sure. Because I remember when Anastasia came out. Who was the like the rival for Disney that always came off with like knockoffs? Because it was like Bugs Life and like Bugs with a Z. Or like <laughs> it was Ants with a Z. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just always like you had one and then you had the other that was really close but was different. I'm Googling this. Yeah. Anastasia nineteen ninety seven film. Was... I don't think it was Disney. 20th Century Fox, Fox Animation Studios. Okay, so they must have bought it then, I guess. I don't know. Interesting. Because, yeah, I, I at first I was like, that is not Disney. Yeah. I know my Disney. Right. I even have Disney Plus. Can I watch Anastasia on Disney Plus? It's too scary for my children. They'll think it that is really Rasputin, Rasputin was scary. really scary. I remember that too. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure which princesses are coming or what it's going to okay. look like, but I am going with two six-year-olds. Okay, excellent. And then another mother-daughter pair are you all dressing up of course oh okay. you mean as princesses yes oh well i don't have anything dressed oh okay uh, pro- uh, appropriate for that but my children may i'm not sure okay 
we'll well, see. You just have to get like something sequiny. Yeah, I mean, Abby only wears dresses, so that, okay. that's an easy deal. But I yeah. don't know if it'll be a costume or not. We'll gotcha. find out. Excellent. Yeah. Still time. Little Mermaid was like the first Disney movie I clearly remember, and being like, oh, this is kind of good. And so, like, because that was uh, the beginning of the new Disney, I feel. Like, Little Mermaid was the beginning. So that would be a good one to listen to. I never did Princess and the Frog. I haven't watched that. It's pretty good. Yeah, um, okay. It's, uh, de- like, it's set in the South in New Orleans. Yes, so it's, yeah, it's kind of fun. That. But they have the Shadow Man. He's voodoo. Oh. Which my kids think a lot of things are scary, but they don't think the voodoo Shadow Man is okay. scary. That's scary. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I will let, I will report back on how it Sounds is good. and what it looks Excellent. like. Yes. Anyway, Karen, well, thanks for talking with me today. Yes, and I'll see you again in a few hours. Yeah, see you at the theater. Hi there. Just wanted to take a quick moment to ask you to subscribe to our podcast wherever it is you're listening. Rate us and review us, and that helps other listeners find us and also lets us know what it is you like about our podcast. Find us on Facebook at Demusicals or email us at desmusicals at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about the shows that we've reviewed or recommend a show for us to watch, and we'd be happy um, to take your input. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.